Hey everybody, it's Rick. I want to welcome you back to the Nomad Pastor Podcast. And today, I think we're going to just talk a little bit about miracles. You know, we've all heard the story about Jesus, you know, turning water into wine. We've read the story. We should have read the story. And, and it truly was a miracle. And it was the first one that he performed. You know, my so my question today is, do you believe in miracles? Because... I do, right? I'm here to tell you I believe in them, and I believe them for three reasons, at least three, right? The, the first is that I do believe in a theistic view of the world, right? God is, you know, God made this world, God sustains this world, he, it's all about God, right? That, and, that, and that to me is just a miracle. But I also believe in Jesus Christ, and the, you know, he is the only divine son of God, right? He is a, a supernatural person and he did supernatural works and he continues to do that today. And then I believe in salvation through faith, right? Through faith in Christ, you know, salvation from sin by Jesus enables me personally to believe in miracles because look, for him to save me, it required a miracle. And I, and I'm sure there's tons of other people who would say that, right? For Jesus to save you was miraculous. So, you know, as many of you who have probably listened to my podcast know that if I'm going to ask some questions or if I want to understand something, I, I do a lot of research. And so I go to that, you know, trusty Google and ask some questions. And I like to read. And so I went and I, I just Googled what is a miracle. And, and the definition's, you know, pretty easy, right? Um, the definition is a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by nature or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. Now, we've, we've learned throughout Bible studies and teachings and, and even some of these podcasts that when you hear that word, therefore, there's something before it, right? So even in that simple definition where it says... It's a surprising and welcome event that is not explainable by nature or science. Therefore, right? So because you can't explain it by science, you can't explain it by nature, it is considered the work of something divine. So I would challenge you that the divine agency within the definition of a miracle is God. And for me, that's not open for discussion. That's what a divine agency is. And so, look, as we dig into this, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Normally, I read a bunch of scripture, you know, five or ten verses or whatever it is, and then we try to unpack it. I'm not going to read the scripture this week. We're going to try to unpack it, and we're going to go through John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And I think that you should go read it. And, and if you need to pause it and read it, that's fine. If you're going to read it after, that's fine as well. But I think that you need to spend time in the word. So after this podcast is over, pray on what you read. Pray on what you read so that God can put on your heart what he needs to. And that's only going to happen by being in the word. So Jesus, you know, so I started this saying, we're going to talk about, you know, Jesus's miracle of turning water to wine. So Jesus, when, when Jesus turns the water into wine at the wedding, it is his first recorded miracle. 
And in verse 11, it says, What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now, this miracle, if you if you go look at, at your Bible, generally uh, most Bibles, or at least most study Bibles, will have like a harmony of Gospels. And it will show you everywhere the different things are recorded so that you can look at the four Gospels and say, oh, this is in, in Luke and John, or this is in Matthew and Mark, or this is in John and, and Mark, or whatever it is, so you can see where the miracles are recorded. But But the Jesus turning water to wine is only recorded in chapter, in John. So I think that's an important note, right? That we just say, look, if you're going to look for it, it's, it's only in John. Now of this miracle, there's really three aspects that we need to understand, right? There's the setting, there's the symbolism, and then there's the significance of this miracle. The setting is in Cana of Galilee, right? Jesus's first miracle took place at a wedding in a home in Cana. And Cana was just five miles northeast of Nazareth, right? And that, and it's mentioned four times in John's gospel. It's mentioned in two, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, verse 11, chapter 4, verse 46, and chapter 21, verse 2. And nowhere else in the Bible is Cana miss it, uh, mentioned. And and it's also the home of Nathaniel, and it was um, Cana that Jesus announced to the nobleman that the healing of about the healing of his dying son. And so I think it's important that we recognize that. So the home in in where this miracle takes place wasn't some palace; it was just some meager home. It wasn't of some rich family, right? And because of that the wine supply was limited, right? The wedding was in the home of the bride, but the feast is provided by the bridegroom. And so uh, we have to kind of understand that, right? Mary, Jesus, and his disciples, John, Andrew, Simon, Philip, and Nathaniel, they were all invited guests. And it's important to recognize kind of the culture that's going on at this time, right? A wedding could go on for weeks and weeks and weeks. Not weeks and weeks, but at least a week. And as the bridegroom provides the feast, they have to be able to provide the wine for that amount of time. If it went on for a day or five days, right? So this miracle, it took place on the third day, right? We see that in John chapter one. And after calling all of Jesus's first disciples, when that wedding party starts to run out of wine, Mary says to Jesus in verse three, she says, they have no more wine. Jesus replied, it's like, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. You know, Mary knew who Jesus was. It's it's reasonable to believe that she expected a miracle from him. However, it wasn't it wasn't customary for the guests to make this type of contribution. You know, when Jesus says, My hour has not yet come, what he's telling them is is that the time for him to prove or show that he has, is the Messiah isn't here yet. But Mary went to the servants and said, do whatever he tells you. And that was in verse 5. Because she, she knew, right? She was confident. He's not going to, Jesus is not going to allow this situation uh, or the distress of this situation to, to go 
undealt with, right? He's going to deal with it the right way. And she knew that as his mom. And so that was the the first part of that symbolism, right? That's the setting. The setting is this this wedding. The second one was the symbolism. And and it's kind of the symbolism of turning the water into wine. And Jesus tells us that there, you know, he tells them, he says, look, there's six st- stone water jars. And, you know, those stone jars would hold 20 to 30 gallons of water. They were used for ceremonial cleansing of the hands. You can see that in in various scripture, right? Mark 7, 3, Kings 3, 1, 2, 2 Kings 3, 1. Um, but he, sa- he tells the servants, he says, fill, fill the jars with water. And, and they have to be filled up to the brim. Then he tells them, now draw some of it out and take it to the master of the banquet. And that's verses 7 and 8. So what's the meaning of that? Like, what's the symbolism? If there is any symbolism. Is there? I, I mean, certainly Jesus' first miracle means way more than, than you know, keeping a host from embarrassment. I mean, I, I, I think it would, right? So the six water jars, right, for purifying of the Jews, you know, maybe they represent some Jewish ritual of dealing with sin uh, by endless washings. You know, six, the number six is, is, is one short of seven, and seven is the perfect number, right? And, that, and that's, you know, one of the reasons Bikers for Christ, we, we wear the seven, 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 is because seven is a perfect number, and it represents to us the, the three sevens represent the Trinity, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So maybe, maybe that, you know, Jewish legalism had fallen short. Maybe that's why it's six instead of seven. Maybe the filling of the jars probably could symbolize, you know, the fulfillment of the laws. In Matthew five seventeen, it says, "Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, but I have come to abolish not I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them." Right. So he fills the pots to the brim. I I don't know. I, you know, I think it's something to think about and pray about. But this wine that that Jesus makes, it's superior. It's it's better than any wine anybody's ever ever had, and and it's served to the ruler, right? This teaches us that what Jesus has to offer us is not just superior wine, right? Everything he offers is superior. He he brings the life of the spirit. He is superior to the legalistic system that the Jews had at the time, and and he supplies supernaturally something that that supersedes the system that's the symbolism to me right then then we got to talk about the significance of the situation right the significance of turning water into wine which is which to me is is pretty significant and so, you know, first, you know, turning the water into wine, it shows that Christ's power, right, his creative power. We don't know exactly when or how the miracle took place, but we do know that Jesus silently put forth his will and turned the water to wine. Turning it to wine also reveals Christ's purpose to honor the family life, right? He performed this miracle in a home. Not in a temple, not in a synagogue, not at some rich place. 
So this is really the last place you would expect him to perform his first miracle. But by doing this in a home, he, he shows that every corner of our family life is important. He made it holy, right? He made that family home a holy place because that's where he performed his miracle. And then turning the water into wine reveals his glory, right? In 2.11, the disciples saw his glory, his divine person. And how did that happen? By his command and control of nature, by his impact on the, the ruler of this feast, right? The bridegroom and, and the bride. And by performing this miracle, that would radiate his glory forever, right? The turning of the water to wine reveals that Christ is also self-sufficient. He has the power to meet our needs He has the power to meet our shortages in our life, right? We can come with our cups if need and let him fill them up. He can satisfy the hunger and thirst of every soul who belongs to him. The the turning of the water to wine also reveals things to come, right? The world gives its best first. Jesus is because. Jesus' gifts, right, the gifts he gives, like the water, becomes sweeter, better with every passing day. When we die and go to heaven, we're going to find, we're going to find it better than any words can ever describe. Better than we have ever dreamed it could be. Right? In verse 10, he says, but you have saved the best till now. That's the, the ruler of the feast drinking this wine And he's like, oh, this is just amazing. The best for last, the best until now, which is uncommon because what would generally happen in these weddings is you would serve the best wine at the beginning. And then once everybody's good and, you know, drunk and they've been partying for days, you serve the cheaper wine because nobody's going to know the difference. So for the best wine to come three days into the feast, it was a miracle. It was miraculous. You have saved the best till now. That's what heaven's going to be like, the best till now. So as we think through this, right, Jesus is a miracle worker. He turned water to wine. And he can work a miracle in your life. Let him do it today. He offers you his best. You just have to accept it. Hey, this is Rick. I'm um, the Nomad Pastor Podcast. If you have questions and you want to chat, send me an email at hello at nomadpastor.com. I ask that you subscribe to the podcast so that you can get the notifications, do the little bell, like it, share it with your friends. But again, I, I just hope you have a blessed week and appreciate everything you guys do. Thanks.